you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Thank you. Shalom Aleichem. May peace be upon you. Good morning. It's so lovely to be back here, to be with you in this space, and to be sharing in this sacred, beautiful container between both our communities. We inhabit this space, especially this sanctuary, with all of our souls and our hearts. Now that we're here on Friday, Saturday, you on Sunday, it extends the time where this this container is filled with soul and spirit and love and compassion, so something good must be happening around. I'll be honest with you, I don't have much more to say than what was sung and shared by Reverend Abigail, so it was nice to see you today. <laughs> and, and I have my... Okay. I can, I can weave some thoughts around that, maybe we'll see. Just one thing I wanted to lift up, though, in in this space, in this moment, is that gentle and easy is a beautiful aspiration, but I want to lift up the fact that that's not the case for most of people on this planet, on this on this continent, in this nation, in our city. And though we may work and aspire towards bringing more ease and gentleness into the world, let's also hold the fact that this is not most people's experience in life. And definitely not, not in our world, and definitely not in, in the Jewish world today. Those are very challenging and difficult times, as they are in the Muslim world as well. With that, I think what I want to talk to you about today is my favorite topics of all of them. Me. <laughs> Not that I have mastered that topic at all. Um, I am, I'm still learning about it every day, all the time. This is a, it's a long process. I want to talk about me, especially in the context of Torah, in the context of the Jewish, um, the Jewish sacred, sacred book of the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. We as Jews, on a yearly cycle, study the books of the Torah, all of them from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And every year we do it over and over and over again, and we've done this for thousands of years now. You may think we must know the stories very well. Yes. And the process is actually not a circle, but it is a spiral. In the sense that as you read through all of those stories, all of those parables every year, your job, you're tasked with finding more in them. You're tasked with growing and going deeper every time. Now, these stories, these paragraphs, these parables, all of those chapters of the Hebrew Bible, of the Jewish Bible, 
are divided so that we don't read the whole thing in one day. But since we have to do it over a year, it's divided roughly into 52 different little chunks, diff different little portions that we busy ourselves with on a weekly basis. And so every year, you know based on the Jewish calendar when each Torah portion, its little segment is going to fall. And you can ask, as I have, because I, I forgot, you can ask Rabbi Google. <laughs> very, very wise, very wise rabbi who knows everything. I think Rabbi Google is the closest to God as we uh, could ever find. And you can ask Rabbi Google, based on your birthday, what was the Torah portion, what was the segment that was read the week you were born? And you can find that, Rabbi Google will tell you. And the, um, the injunction in Jewish tradition is that there is no mistake. That if you were born the week of that specific segment of the Torah, it has a message for you. It has a message for you, for your life. And so, yes, you read all of the stories and all of the chapters of the Jewish Bible every year, but when it comes back to your week, to your portion, to the one that was assigned to you at birth, then you pay a little more attention and you seek to find here in those words, in those verses, what the trajectory of your life was perhaps inscribed thousands of years ago by the divine. So that's why I want to talk about me. This is my birth Torah portion that I want to share with you because though it is in the book of Leviticus, which will happen in, later in the spring, the theme of today, the theme, the theme of holiness is found in the first verse of my birth portion. Maybe a message to me. Leviticus 19, verse 1. Kedoshim tihiyu ki kadosh ani Adonai Elohechem. This verse translated usually you will find that in most translation you shall be holy you shall be holy for i the eternal your god am holy not bad for the first verse of your birth portion right well yeah but i read this and i immediately find myself confronted with a major major problem God has asked me to be holy. God has asked all of us to be holy. And I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what I need to do to fulfill this command. Because my mind, my mind immediately jumps to the commandment and starts devising a program. How do I get there? How do I plan this? I have to plan this out. What is the practice that I need to implement right now in my life in order to become holy? Because I, like you, because we've been raised in this society, in America, to be very much goal-oriented. You have to have a goal. You have to have a purpose. You have to follow your goal. You have to, you have to achieve something here this is this is how you know you have succeeded achieving and succeeding is our way of life here in america so i want to be successful at becoming holy i want to be successful i want to achieve that goal but 
the mind is rendered perplexed because it doesn't know what path could possibly lead to holiness. Maybe not a, a Jewish example, but it fits maybe on the Sunday morning. The mind asks, how do I become Jesus? Definitely not a Jewish um, but how do I become Jesus? You know, how do I become, how do I become a saint? How do I, how do I become the Dalai Lama? How do I, how do I walk on water? How do I become the Mahatma Gandhi? Or whatever picture we have in our head of what a holy person looks like. What a holy person does in their everyday life. What are the steps? I need steps. What are the steps that I could take? What is the discipline that I have to follow? Where is the map? I need the map to get me from here to there. Who has, who has that map? I need somebody, I need to find somebody with the map. Let's ask Rabbi Google, who is, who is the person in the world who has the map? Which tradition on which continent? Should I go to an ashram in India? Should I go to the Vatican? Should I go to Jerusalem? Where do I go? To, who has the map? Who has the map? Where can I find it? If I want to build myself into a holy person, where is the IKEA map to help me build myself into that holy person? Maybe I should go to IKEA. Maybe they have it. They have a catalog. Should I do, should I do daily meditations? Should I go on meditation retreats? Should I become a vegan? Maybe I should be a vegan. Was Jesus a vegan? Do we know that? Should I strictly follow the Ten Commandments? I mean, that's hard. I mean, you shall not steal. Come on. You shall not be jealous of what your neighbor has. Forget about the Ten Commandments. What should I do? What should I, where should, who should I find? It's just, it's impossible. And my, my mind wants to achieve my one, my mind wants to be successful. But then, then we have another problem. We have, I have another problem. There's a second problem. It's not just that one. There is a second one. The second one is that in my heart of hearts, I know that it is absolutely not possible to be holy. Me? Holy? There is no practice that is lofty enough. No way that I, flawed little me, could ever aspire to any such a thing as considering myself to be holy. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Just the thought of me thinking of myself to be holy just makes me cringe inside. Doesn't make you cringe? Like who would go out and say, hey guys, uh, I'm holy. How about you? How are you doing today? Yeah? Does it make you feel like uncomfortable inside, right? So I cringe in despair of never being able to fulfill God's command. Or sometimes I just have to laugh inwardly as at the absurdity of it all. But I've studied this verse many years. And I've come to maybe realize that we, we are confused about that word. You know that word, the word holy? Because especially we as English speakers, we oftentimes confuse that word with the word 
perfect. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? And because we confuse the two, our mind transposes what it sees as the impossibility of perfection onto the impossibility of holiness. And since since it is the nature of the ego to always be dissatisfied, I mean, at least my ego, I don't know about yours, but my ego is really always dissatisfied with everything and everyone, and, and it can help but sees itself as flawed. Always flawed, always lacking, always overwhelmed by its own, its own shortcomings. And therefore, always, will always see itself as imperfect. Imperfect. So maybe, maybe, maybe we're reading this verse wrong. Maybe this usual translation, you know, you shall be holy for I, the eternal your God, I'm holy. Maybe that's not the way we should read it. And in fact, I found different translations. I love, I love to find different books that have different translations and surround myself, myself with them. And there's one by a, a translator named Everett Fox who writes, Holy are you to be, for holy am I, the eternal one your God. In Hebrew... In Hebrew, what we don't know is that in Hebrew, the future tense is written the same way that then the imperative is written, right? So you, you shall be holy actually could literally be translated be holy, exclamation point. Be holy, exclamation point. Be holy for I am the Holy One, your God, I'm holy. And the point is that we are actually not asked to pursue becoming holy, which in and of itself is an impossible goal. We're not asked to pursue being holy as something in the future, something to be attained, something that isn't yet but could be achieved. You know, it's like, it's like um, the pursuit of happiness. You know, it's in our constitution, in the Declaration of Independence. You know, the pursuit of happiness is one of our goals here in America. But the more you're going to pursue happiness, the less you're going to find it. Because it's not to be pursued. It's not to be pursued. Like, like becoming holy is not something to be achieved. Because God would never ask us to accomplish something beyond human reach. And in, in, in furthermore, if being holy was something to be gained, something to be found down the road, to work towards and eventually realize, like happiness, we would continue to postpone it. Because we would remain forever unconvinced of ever having actualized it. Rather, we might read God, God's injunction, and with that really setting the whole purpose of Torah, in fact, the entire Jewish endeavor, the entire reason for Judaism to even exist, as far as I'm concerned, as an invitation into the radical present reality of our actual holiness, of our actual happiness. Not something to work toward, but something to realize right here, right now, that we already are. Not perfect, but holy. And there is a huge difference in that. So maybe a better translation of this verse, sometimes I like to translate the Torah myself, would be... Yeah, we do that. You know, when we don't like a translation, you make up your one. Make up your one. Come on. You know, the truth is, in Hebrew is many ways of being translated, and it really depends what glasses you are wearing. So I would translate it 
as know yourself to be holy right now, for I, the eternal your God, am holy. So let's unpack this a little more, because I think, like I said, the, 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 there are more to find here, because one of the problems we are founding is the translator. It's like the translator is standing between us and realization. And we never, we never pay attention to that, but we fall prey to our translations. And a translation is an interpretation. It's not neutral. So the translator comes to the text with already notions and understandings and preconceived ideas and then imposes them upon us. And when we find the text in its translation, we are already manipulated by the translator. And that's a real big problem. So we should be aware of the translator. And this translator came to the text with inherently basically thinking that we start to be we start in life unholy. And, and, and that we can never become holy. This is always going to be something to, to be aspiring to, but never to be reached. The translator comes with this as knowing that we are essentially flawed. Right? And so we need to be more careful which translator we invite into our home. Maybe we need translators that have come to CSL. And have a really better understanding of what it is we're trying to do here. And therefore come and translate the text from that perspective. But you see what I mean by it depends with glasses you are translating from. If you translate the Bible, if you translate the Torah with the, a CSL open heart, and I mean it really seriously, you will translate it very differently. You will read it very differently as we do at Bet Aleph and as you do here. Right? So God is not asking us to be holy tomorrow or to strive to become holy. What God is actually saying, God is saying, God is actually exclaiming with that exclamation point, you are holy. 2,500, 3,000 years ago, we started Judaism with, you are holy. Now what? Now it's really important. You are holy. Now what? It's a very, very important stepping stone to begin in life and to begin in spirituality. You cannot be more or less holy than you already are right now. There is not becoming more holy than you are right now. There you can never be less holy than you are right now. Holiness isn't to be reached or achieved or be discovered at a later time in a different place when you have mastered all the practices, followed all the commandments, and are able to live the life of a saint every minute of every day, every walking hour of your life without ever failing or making a mistake. Who can do that? Who can do that? No, 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 no. What the Torah is saying is, holiness is your birthright. Holiness is your inheritance. Holiness is your natural state of being. Holiness is not to be achieved out there. It is to be remembered in here. In here. So God and Judaism start with, you are holy. I see it as the preamble of, like the preamble of the constitution in America. This is the preamble of the Jewish constitution, if you want. The preamble of the Jewish path. You are holy right here, right now, just as you are, warts and all, in all your greatest light and all your darkest shadows. You don't need to be perfect to be holy. You are holy. You are sacred. And if you are holy and if I am holy, 
then every I and every you and every we is holy, is sacred. Anything and everyone that exists or ever existed or will ever exist starts from holiness, is holiness. And so the Torah affirms that life is holy in all its imperfections. You are holy in all your perceived gorgeous and unique imperfections. You're welcome. Well, well, one last thing, one last thing. I want to I leave you one. No, it's doing this again. I want to leave you with one, one last thing if I cannot do that. Let's switch again. Thank you. One last thing. Know yourself to be holy, holy, for I, the eternal, your God, I am holy. So I'm going to do a little bit of Greek philosophy. I remember in college I studied Greek philosophy. Well, I studied philosophy, but you have to start with the Greek, right? So you learn how to, uh, how to uh, follow the, the Greek technique of, uh, of interpretation and reading. You have to learn to uh, understand logic, how logic word worked in, uh, in, the, in the Greek years, in the Greek philosophy years. So there are two parts to the sentence, right? One, know that you are holy. Two, I, God, I'm holy. Right? You're, you see that in the sentence? We're good? So the most important word in all of the verse is actually neither of those two sides of the sentence, is the word that is right there in the middle. For. Right? Know yourself to be a holy. For I, the eternal one, am holy. Yes? And that's the most important word, because what that word does is that it creates an equivalency. There's an equal sign there. There's an equal sign. Know yourself to be holy, equal, because, for, I, the eternal one, I'm holy. So it's, it's like a, a, a logic, Greek logic, if A, then B. Or in this case, if B, then A. The logic of the sentence says it's like spiritual mathematics, right? Because B, God is holy, then A, you are holy. Yeah, you follow? You follow, great. So now you have that equation, you see it in your mind. A equal B, God is holy, you are holy, you are holy, God is holy. Now we have to take out, if you remember from math class, the common denominator. So what is the common denominator? It's the, that one word that appears on both sides, right? You have to take out the word that appears on both sides of the equation, and that's the word holy. Okay, so take out the word holy. What do you have left? You are holy equals God is holy, right? So you are God. And I think that's the secret teaching in the verse. Right, the hidden meaning, the Kabbalistic meaning is always the hidden meaning. The deep spiritual meaning is actually underneath these words is an invitation to re the realization that you are God. And because you are that expression of the divine, you are the impersonification, the embodiment of the most holy, the most sacred, then of course you're holy. Because if you were to think of yourself as unholy, you would be saying God is not holy. Is that possible? Right. So underneath those words is an invitation to realization, to spiritual awakening, to enlightenment. 
you are God. May this truth find you now. Amen.